When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot oh. and finds the net. On TalkSport 2. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. The highly anticipated North London derby at the Emirates was postponed because of COVID, which opened the door for Chelsea to go top of the table live on TalkSport. Here was another opportunity. It's Fleming this time and it's nine. And Chelsea have equaled the record for the biggest ever away victory in the Women's Super League. Manchester United welcomed over 20,000 to a women's game at Old Trafford for the first time as they came from behind to claim victory over struggling Everton. Zellum with the corner. Oh, Russo gets ahead. And it's 100 days until the Women's Euros in England. We'll be talking tickets and hearing from some familiar names, including England's most capped player, Farrah Williams. We've got the crowd behind us at home, so I think our chance is as good as anybody's. We'll also be discussing the return of Ada Hegerberg and chatting Women's Champions League. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Jordan Nobbs, and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello, happy Tuesday, you lovely lot. It seems very strange saying that. Thank you for bearing with us. For those who listen on the podcast, doesn't matter what day it is, it's always Tuesday as far as you're concerned when you listen to Women's Football Weekly. I've got a cracking guest with us here today, introducing to you Manchester City and Canada forward Janine Becky. How are you doing, Janine? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, you've had a bit of a rest this weekend after your match against Birmingham was postponed on Sunday after that outbreak of COVID in the Birmingham City squad. So what did you do with your weekend instead? Well, we still had to train. So uh, thankfully, they kept our schedule the same, which was nice. Um, But yeah, I think all of us were thinking we wouldn't still be dealing with COVID uh, postponing games at this point in the season, but is what it is. We got to roll on with it. So I think we'll take the extra rest and hopefully be a bit more energized for this coming weekend. Yeah, I don't think any of us thought that. And, and I know we had Jen Beatty, Beatty, Arsenal defender, on uh, with us last weekend. And she'd been really looking forward to two back-to-back games at, at the Emirates. But of course, the North London derby fell foul as well. You did, though, win midweek, beating Everton 4-0. Second 4-0 victory over, over Everton, this time in the league. So now you're within three points of third place with a game in hand. Mm-hmm. So it's getting tight as we as we come to the closing stages of the season. Yeah, it is tight and it's always exciting uh, as a player and as a fan of the league because since I've come here, the league's just gotten so much more competitive and I think people were shocked to see us kind of middle of the table uh, over the course of the season, but we struggled at the beginning of the season, tons of injuries, uh, but it's been amazing to see the team bounce back and really perform well over the last... I'd say probably 18 to 20 games the second half of the season. We've really ramped it up and been able to keep a lot of people healthy, which has been helpful and put in a lot of really good performances. So it's tough to play a team back to back, you know, regardless of their form. And uh, for us to put put eight goals behind them or on them, I should say, uh, two games in a row definitely continues to build our momentum to finish the season strong and hopefully push for that Champions League spot. How confident are the squad that you can you can make the top three? Very confident. I think in this in this sport, in all sport, you never know what can happen. And 
and teams drop points when they shouldn't. And, and we're kind of betting on the teams at the top dropping points at some point, but at the same time, we're just trying to control what we can control. And we're doing a really good job at that right now. Um, just making sure we're putting in winning performances, getting our goal differential up as much as possible. Uh, because we think if we, if we finish out the season and not dropping any points, uh, it would be pretty surprising if we miss out on that third spot, in my opinion. Okay, well, there are a couple of teams obviously trying to to stop that happening, Janine. Um, Tottenham has won, but they weren't in action this weekend, of course, after the North London derby was postponed. But the red half of Manchester certainly have something to say about it, and that's where we're going to start, at Old Trafford. Uh, Manchester United 3, Everton 1. And to talk through this, the Telegraph's Tom Gary is joining us because he was there and uh, got to sample some of that carnival atmosphere. How are you doing, Tom? Hi, Faye. I'm really well, thank you. Nice to speak to you. I'm still buzzing after that event yesterday. It was fantastic. 20,241 at Old Trafford, which is a record in the WSL this season. It Just describe exactly what that atmosphere was like, because it looked fantastic. Yeah, it was really special. And, and credit to the club, who I think in the past, a lot of people have been a bit critical of perhaps what has been perceived as a, a lack of promotion sometimes around games but actually Manchester United did a really good job of this one um, and I, I thought for example the way that they completely redecorated the exterior of the stadium huge huge posters and billboards of the women's players um, above the mega store for example on the approach to the ground uh, that, that made it that just added to the feel of it as a special day and yeah it sounded and looked like a lot more than 20,000 to be honest we were actually quite surprised when it was 20,000 it looked closer to 25, 30 it was a good atmosphere and it was the sixth highest ever WSL crowd and the highest we've had since that kind of flurry of big crowds off the back of the 2019 World Cup. So, yeah, it was, it was a significant increase and it was around five times more than Manchester United's previous women's club record. So, yeah, a sign of improvement and um, I think a lot of people would like to see it happen more often. Yeah, I mean, that's something we talk about quite quite a lot, isn't it? In terms of the actual game itself United had to come from behind I mean Everton have had a torrid time of it this season we were just talking uh, to Janine just then about their 4-0 win over the weekend um, uh, midweek over Everton um, and but Claire Emsley had, had put them in front United caught on the break and lovely finish from her as well on the right hand side of the box but United got themselves back into it Absolutely. And, and Mark Skinner said after the game, actually, that Everton scoring was probably the best thing that could have happened to his team because it woke them up and it kind of sparked them into action when they had been a little bit, perhaps, um, just more thinking about the occasion maybe than, than getting straight down to business in the first few minutes. And yeah, after after they um, had conceded, Manchester United were by far the better side. I thought they were unlucky not to be ahead at half time. And I think from an England point of view, it was terrific to see how well Alessia Russo is playing. Um, and the two goals that she scored, although I think perhaps the defending was, was questionable, they were very difficult headers to score from. Both crosses were behind her and she managed to get the, the power behind them despite going backwards to, to beat Sandy McKeever. And I thought um, just her all-round game was very impressive, um, which would be really encouraging to Serena Vigman in particular. I know, good win for Manchester United, but um, I, th- I think they've got a tall order to get into the top three, I think. I'm not just saying this because of Janine being on, on here. but <laughs> Are you um, sure? Yeah, the, uh, the form that Manchester City are in, it's really hard to see how they're going to slip up. And So, you know, if if both sides were, were to win all of their games between now and the final day, you know, the Manchester United are going to have to go to Chelsea on the final day and get a result. And I think that's, that's a really big ask. So... Um, yeah, although Manchester United are doing really well, I think they're going to just miss out on third personally. Yeah, Janine had said that herself just a minute ago, which you'd expect anyway. I, I love, I mean, look, don't, don't count that, don't discount Tottenham, but as Janine said, and you've, and you've just said there, Tom, you know, Manchester City in the form that you're in at the moment, unlikely to, 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 to drop points, but is that better to have it fully in your hands, Janine? Does that give you a little bit more confidence? Yeah, I also think that the consideration that we take in is that the the teams at the top are the ones that feel the pressure, right? Uh, We're chasing them and sometimes it's nicer to be in that position than to be in the position where you've got something to lose. So at this point, you know, we're going full throttle to the end of the season. Um, Like Tom just mentioned, then our form is is probably, I would say, the best in the league at the minute. Uh, we've, We've scored a lot of goals in the last 18 games, conceded very few. 
uh, having Ellie Roebuck back the second half of the season has been a massive, massive change for us and have kind of started to find our feet in terms of having a consistent team, which can be really helpful when you're in a good run of form. And then a lot of players from the bench who are bringing impact on onto the pitch. So we've got a full squad of people that are in form. And, and I think that that's a tough, tough thing to look at if you're Manchester United and think that we're going to drop points uh, with the, with the games we have remaining this season. So I would definitely be feeling the pressure if I was any of the three teams above us. Um, But, you know, it's up to us to take care of business. And I think at this point, we're pretty confident that we can do so. Manchester United, all, all uh, or both the players that that were on the score sheet, Tom, um, Casey Dellum, obviously from the, from the penalty spot, and Alessia Russo, really emotional reactions to to scoring the goals at Old Trafford in front of twenty thousand people. And as you say, these these kind of occasions need to happen more often. But you could see how much it meant to to, to score at at Old Trafford. Yeah, both childhood Manchester United fans, both scoring at the Stretford end. That That is, as Mark Skinner said, that is the stuff of dreams for people who do love the club. Um, and uh, actually, I felt there was a lot of emotion around all of it. I mean, after the game in his press conference, Mark Skinner himself got quite emotional. Uh, it was partly when he was referencing um, he, his mum having been able to come and watch the game for the first time since he took charge. And he sort of had a lump in his throat at that moment. But I think it was also a lot around the fact that he, he appreciated what a big moment this was um, to see so many fans coming to watch um, the side. And no, it was special. And I, th- I think I think one thing it will hopefully do for, for, as a, for looking at the club as a whole, who are, as we understand, you know, there are ongoing discussions around the future of that old Trafford site and various different proposals. I think what yesterday will have done is sent a message to the powers that be at Manchester United that the women's team need to be a key part of those discussions for for the long-term future and, and they should have a say in what happens to Old Trafford. Yeah, Mark Skinner said after the game, I don't want to rubbish cliches. Uh, I, I don't want rubbish cliches, but I think women's football won. And that's quite key, isn't it, uh, Janine? Obviously, for Manchester City, you know, the, the, the women's side have always been thought of amongst the the men's side and dealt with the same way it's taking other clubs to a little while to to catch up but they they finally are I know they're a rival of yours but in terms of women's football as a whole it's it's quite important that that happens yeah definitely I think you know seeing a record crowd at Old Trafford is is positive but I think that when we play less games in big venues it hinders the ability for large crowds to come out and see us play I know we played, you know, the Derby a few years back after the 2019 World Cup and had almost 32,000 people there. It was an incredible environment. And it's probably safe to say you'd struggle to get those those crowds week in and week out. Um, but I do think that the, that's the direction that the game is going in. I do think what's special about women's football is when you have the smaller venues actually selling out, you know, week in and week out. We saw an incredible crowd for us when we played Chelsea at home this season. And those venues are incredible when you can fill them, uh, but there definitely needs to be more opportunity for more teams to play at big historic venues because we have seen that fans turn up, uh, especially in the midst of a men's international break. So I thought it was an incredible play by Manchester United to get them at Old Trafford. It obviously played out very well for for them and, and an amazing opportunity for the players to play at a really historic ground. I can definitely say that I'm jealous that, that they got to play at Old Trafford and it's, it was amazing to play at the Etihad. Um, you know, we're seeing teams all over the league play at their men's grounds uh, and I think that that's much a step in the right direction but definitely still a long way to go. Well, maybe you'll get the opportunity if the Manchester derby is played at Old Trafford next season, Janine, particularly after the Women's Euros if we see that same kind of momentum um, that, that we got after the 2019 World Cup. Uh, Tom, always a pleasure to chat to you. Take care of yourself. Have a lovely evening, guys. Speak to you soon. Take care. Tom Gary there uh, from The Telegraph. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others. Manchester City and Canada forward Janine Becky's with me as well. And coming up, we're going to chat through the rest of the weekend's Barclays FAWSL action. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Rothers. And uh, Manchester City and Canada forward Janine Becky is with me. Don't forget if you miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app. So just go ahead and download it today. Uh, now, Leicester City fans, look away now. 
Leicester City nil, Chelsea nine. This was live on TalkSport on Sunday. Let's hear how it sounded. Good afternoon once again. And these two clubs had very different ambitions this season. For Leicester, it was all about survival. Chelsea was settling for nothing less than the title. And the Foxes should have done enough now to earn another season at this level. And Chelsea know if they win every game, it will be a fifth title in seven years. Brighton who curls it left-footed. And it's a brilliant start for Chelsea. Gura Wrighton. In her 50th WSL appearance with an outstanding free kick, left-footed, curled over the wall, high beyond Debbie Lambourne. And with less than three minutes played, Chelsea are heading top of the table for the first time this season. As Kerr again has the ball now, left-hand side of the penalty area, infield towards Beth England, and Beth England makes it three. Less than seven minutes played, and Chelsea lead by three goals to nil. And they have started this game in record-setting fashion. Brighton in space down the left, the high cross in the far post, which drops in, and it's six on the stroke of half-time. Guru Wrighton will celebrate. I think it was a cross, but it drifted over the head of Lambourne. Here is another opportunity. It's Fleming this time, and it's nine. And Chelsea have equaled the record for the biggest ever away victory in the Women's Super League. And it's the Canadian international, Jesse Fleming this time, And Chelsea, away from home, on the road to the title, have scored nine. Look, there's not really enough time to go through all the goals, but overall, Janine, it was a real terrible day at the office for Leicester. Yeah, uh, I saw uh, the replay of a few of the goals and it just seemed, was it like four goals in ten minutes? Three goals in ten minutes, something like that? Yeah. So they set a new record. Yeah, thankfully, I've never been on the receiving end of that kind of performance, but I imagine it doesn't feel very good as a player. No, I would think not. Um, And I don't think they have necessarily been feeling particularly good um, pre this game kicking off either, because Leicester City's main account tweeted out... Feeling stuck without a Foxes game this weekend? Question mark. We're supporting non-league day until it was pointed out to them by many people. Hello, Leicester City FC. Your women's team are actually playing on Sunday at King Power Stadium. I mean, own goal. They deleted it in the end, but that's not a good look. Oh, no, I did not see that. That is not a great look from the club. That's not what you want to hear. No, most definitely not. And then they go on to win 9-0. So, you know, perhaps some serious conversations need to be had at the top down as to the value of of the Leicester City women's team, for sure. It was a massive win, though, for Chelsea after their game midweek against Spurs had to be called off because of uh, COVID. And the win takes them above Arsenal, who didn't play, obviously, after the postponement of the North London derby. Um, Chelsea, within this, as you just said, First team to ever score three goals in the opening 10 minutes of a WSL game. Guru Wright and Sam Kerr and Beth England just in seven minutes, which is uh, incredible. Lauren James also on the score sheet, her first Chelsea goal in the 88th minute as as well. I mean, it was a rout all in all and they deservedly go top of the league. It's getting tighter and tighter, Janine. Yeah, I guess if you're going to go top of the league, you may as well do it in style. Uh, put a couple goals on the board. Nice to see Lauren James get her first goal for Chelsea. She definitely uh, made it interesting, keeping it right to getting right to the end of the game. But yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that Chelsea's got multiple weapons. Uh, They're always a team looking very dangerous to score. And uh, unfortunately for Leicester, it looks like the the lid came off the goal quite a bit in that game. And uh, I think that it'll take definitely some, some looking internally to see how they you know, don't continue to let that kind of thing happen. But for Chelsea, an incredibly big momentum shift for them winning 9-0 and going top of the league. It's going to be a really exciting race to the end of the season to see who finishes on top. But um, yeah, I mean, Chelsea is one of those teams that if they're in the, if they're in the groove, if they're uh, in their, their right focus, they can definitely put put multiple past the team. Yeah, well, let's hear from the Chelsea boss, Emma Hayes, shall we? After a brilliant day in the King Power sunshine, uh, she said she was pleased with how clinical her side were. We've been focusing on being clinical and that was something we've done here. But you, and you have to earn that right, you know, not to take anything away from Leicester. But we played really well today uh, and deserving of that. And I was particularly pleased at maintaining those high standards. We did it throughout the 90 minutes. 
Actually, this is from Opta Joe as well. Chelsea's 9-0 win against Leicester City is their joint biggest in the Barclays FAWSL, equaling their 9-0 victory against Bristol City last season. And it's also the joint biggest away win in the competition's history, which was Doncaster 0, Liverpool 9 back in August uh, 2013. Right, elsewhere, West Ham uh, 0, Brighton and Hove Albion 2, Brighton back on form again. West Ham losing at home for only the second time in in the WSL this season. Aileen Whelan putting Brighton in the lead early on. Very simple finish in the bottom right corner after Kagman had laid it off to her as well. And then Kagman herself sealing the win for the Seagulls in the 81st minute. Bit of a mix-up at the back for, for, for West Ham. It means... Despite, I mean, really, when you look at the table, it's probably their early form, Brighton, that, that's that's managed this for them. They've gone up to six leapfrogging uh, West Ham. What did, what did you make of Brighton in this game, Janine? You know, I think Brighton is such an interesting team because they've had a few performances this season where they've really surprised a lot of people watching them. And when you break down their team player for player, they've got some really strong, strong players. But I think as a team... You know, sometimes it's it's their charisma and character that pushes them through games. And I think they have a really strong camaraderie as a group. It's I know for myself when we play Brighton, it's always one of those games that you definitely can't look past because they've got their weapons. And um, I myself played with played with little Lily, the um, Korean midfielder forward for Brighton. Um, and when you have somebody like that, especially she's she's so dangerous. She was so good for us. We were ha- really sad to see her go, but. It's been so lovely to see her be so successful with Brighton. So they're one of those teams that's just been so up and down this season and um, can really strike when they need to and pull out some big results. But I've also struggled quite significantly at times in the season. So it's one of those, I think they're a perfect example of the way that the league has grown um, and how they've they've performed this season. So uh, yeah, definitely one of those teams that I think everybody should fear when they when they play. Yeah, when they're on form, they're on form, that's for sure. Uh, j- just a shout out to Dagny Brinsdottir as well, West Ham midfielder who had her young son as her mascot for this game, walking out, which was just so lovely to see them walking out at, at Dagenham t- together like that. And she said it's something that she'd dreamed of uh, since she was pregnant. And as a new mum myself, I- I'd love, I mean, I'm not a professional footballer, so I, I won't be taking Ted out on the on the pitch in that way. But I'd l- I can't wait to be able to just take him to a game and, and see his face, uh, you know, watching something that, that I love doing. It's incredible. So big, out, big shout out to Dagny uh, on Mother's Day, being able to do that. We will talk about your match, Janine against West Ham, uh, in uh, later on in the show as well. But the other match of the, of the day, Aston Villa won, uh, Reading won, it finished. I mean, for Villa, ending their run of 10 straight defeats at home, which is crucial. It's still not been a great season for them, though. Yeah, again, I think Villa, similarly to Brighton, they've got some of those players that are able to kind of flip a game on its head. And uh, when you have that run of 10 10 games lost at home, it's difficult. You get in that mindset and and it's already a struggle before the game's even begun. And then you look at a team like Reading who has had some really great results this season, um, has seen a long string of good form um, and just seems to kind of be one of those teams that always gives somebody a problem. I think at City, we always have talked about them as kind of our the team that gives us the most issues. Um, and a draw for both of them, obviously you never want to walk away from a game not having all three points, but I think both of them will be, you know, content to have taken taken a point away. And for Villa, hopefully uh, move in the right direction to build some momentum finishing off the season. Yeah, they're now level on points with Everton. Seven point gap uh, between Villa and Everton in 10th and 9th and Reading and West Ham in, in 8th and 7th, which just shows how far behind the bottom four teams are really. Yeah, it's been it's been a season of the top of the league and the bottom of the league. I think it's been kind of funny that we've sat quite in the middle of that all season. We had some difficult results early on in the year and I think probably gave a lot of hope to a lot of teams that that got good results against us, but it's been yeah, like I just said a tale of the top and bottom of the league and um it, the other seasons that I've been in the league it's been the total opposite, you know, it's been quite tight throughout the whole league. So um, you start to see teams pull away towards the end of the season, but those teams at the bottom will definitely be desperate to try and 
uh, get to the end of the season on maximum points. Yep, they certainly will. Right, that was this weekend's action. Let's look ahead to this week's Women's Super League action with now. Women's Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live without a contract from 11 99 Search Now Sports 18+. Stream via internet. Terms apply. Okay, I said that we were going to discuss your game against West Ham at Dagenham. Janine, West Ham, Manchester City, Saturday, 11.30am. We've talked at the beginning of the show about the need for Manchester City to be clinical right till the end of the season. How do you see the threat of West Ham on Saturday? Well, uh, I think all of us have in the back of their minds that they took a result off of us earlier in the season. So I think there's still quite a bitter taste in our mouths about uh, that fixture. And again, like I've mentioned multiple times in this conversation, a team that really can pull out a result on any day. So um, they've had a couple instances where they've put in, you know, pretty surprising performances. And I think as as a team that sits at the top of the league most of the time, teams look at us as as a team to always be similar to Arsenal, similar to Chelsea. And so I think when when you go into these type of games where we're I wouldn't say desperate for points, but, you know, we want to maximize points finishing out the season to get that Champions League spot and every other team wants to take those points off of us. So there's uh, no doubt in my mind that it'll be a competitive match. Uh, definitely probably see both the best of both teams for sure. And I remember traveling down there uh, end of last season and they gave us a really, really difficult, difficult game. So uh, definitely we're not taking them lightly looking forward to the game. And um, like I said, I think we've got, a little unfinished business against West Ham from the beginning of the season. Chelsea will face Reading at uh, King's Meadow and, you know, Reading, as we know, can take results as well. But Chelsea, now that they're back top of the league, uh, will be determined to to carry that on. Yeah, Chelsea's a very, very difficult team to beat at home. They're a difficult team to beat anywhere, but especially at home. Um, You know, they've got their fans behind them. King's Meadow is an incredible place to play. They always get good crowds. It's a very intimate, loud atmosphere. So for any team coming in there, it's going to be difficult for them to take points. But like we said, Reading's one of those teams that can really cause some issues. So I think everyone uh, is, you know, backing Reading to, to get some kind of result or hoping that they will. But Chelsea's form and their momentum, especially after taking that top spot in the league, like you said, is going to be a hard thing to face. So um, I would definitely say that my money's probably on Chelsea getting the results, but in this league, anything can happen on any given day. Absolutely, it can. That was a look ahead to this week's Women's Super League action with Now. Don't forget, with the Now Sports membership, you can stream the Women's Super League, including West Ham, Manchester City and Chelsea Reading, live this weekend on Sky Sports, all without a contract. All you need to do is search Now Sports. Women's Football Weekly Preview on Talk Sport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live without a contract from 11.99. Search Now Sports 18 plus. Stream via internet. Terms apply. Right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Rothers alongside Manchester City and Canada forward Janine Becky. Coming up, we're going to talk Women's Euros with 100 days to go until the tournament kicks off. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Ruthers. Alongside me is Manchester City's Janine Becky. Now then, Monday marked 100 days to go until the Women's Euros kick off in England on the 6th of July. This feels like deja vu to me because I was at the 100-day countdown originally uh, to the tournament, which of course was supposed to have been played uh, in 2022. It's now kicking off... um, that was supposed to have been played in 2021. Of course, now it's kicking off in 2022 this year. And our roving reporter, Bradley Hayden, has been in London chatting with some of the big names at the event celebrating the landmark. He started off by speaking to England's record cap holder, Farrah Williams, about how much she's looking forward to the home tournament. Yeah, really excited. Look, hosting the Euros for the second time in my time as a player anyway. Um, fantastic. Uh, going to be on the other side you know I'm not on the pitch I'm going to be off the pitch supporting the girls as a fan the biggest fan and uh yeah one of the pundits with uh, BBC so really excited by the tournament and we're 100 days away now and tickets are on sale so we need to get people to buy them and you mentioned there obviously is the second um, Euros in England you played in in the first one so you'll know exactly what what the girls are going to be going through this summer I mean just just what is it like playing in a major tournament on home turf and can you sort of describe the the feelings and the emotions that come with that I reckon there'd be two different tournaments now I think you know back in 2005 when we hosted the tournament look the women's game certainly wasn't as popular uh, as it is now, and certainly the, the growth since 2005 to now has been, you know, massive. We, um, I remember the opening game at, at the City Stadium at the time, and you know, parents were, were ringing the players, and they were like, "Look, we're on the way up, but we're stuck in traffic, and the service stations are, are ramped." And look, just that in itself, the nerves that were then going around the team, and the excitement for, for playing in front of you know, 30,000. I think at the time it was Karen Carney scoring the winner of our opening game and, and, and making a name for, from that so uh, but I think you know the girls since then to now I think certainly have played in bigger stadiums you know played in front of massive crowds <clears throat> are full-time professionals now so I think those pressures that we played with back then to now are a little bit different I think the quality certainly and the competitiveness throughout not just England but you know all the nations that are taking part is a lot better than it was back then the, the standard of the football certainly developed and look I think this is going to be the biggest and the best tournament in the women's game England's record cap holder Farrah Williams there uh, listen Janine you have played at a home tournament when Canada hosted the World Cup back in in 2015 what exactly is the atmosphere like actually wasn't uh, actually on the roster for that tournament but I, you were playing. I thought you were playing for them from 2014. I was, I was. I didn't make the final roster for that tournament, but I do remember all of the hype around the tournament and just what that's like to prepare for a home World Cup and the excitement around it. And that was back in 2015 when the game was nowhere near where it is now, especially in England. Um, and I think the we got a good taste of, of that being here in the domestic league in England after the 2019 World Cup when the buzz around, you know, the Lionesses was probably bigger than ever. Um, and just the excitement around women's football in this country has completely spiked. And what's so interesting is the Euros is such a historical tournament, obviously, as is the World Cup. But when you look at European football and, and women's European football specifically, it's just come such a long way and the interest is has just completely taken off. So I think as a player, even though I didn't participate in that home World Cup, just thinking about playing at home, obviously there is a lot of pressure behind it, but there's also such a huge advantage. And if you can kind of um, channel that that energy and that pressure in the right way, it can be really difficult for any kind of opposition to come in and, and take, take valuable points off of you. So England's got such a strong squad um, and to see already tickets gone on sale and have seen so many tweets already about the final being sold out within minutes 
Um, and it's just such an incredibly exciting time to be a part of women's football. And I'm definitely jealous of the European teams that get to take part. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, tickets on general sale, as Janine said, over 350,000 tickets have already been sold uh, through the ballot. And as Janine just said, the final at Wembley on the 31st of July sold out in minutes. The opening game between England and Austria at Old Trafford on the 6th of July is almost sold out. Uh, The game against Norway on the 11th at the Amex has has sold out already. I I mean, it's just absolutely incredible that the the interest. I've got friends who applied for for ballot tickets. I know lots of people who who wanted to to make sure that, that they were there and people who've missed out on tickets that they wanted as well, asking me if I can get them tickets. So, you know, the interest is is really, really high. Um, do you think, even more so, Janine, with England playing at home, that that makes them, them, them favourites? Yeah, I think it gives them a really, really strong case. I think uh, we were talking earlier and, and I had said, you know, having played against them recently and seeing how far the team has come, for some reason, we we play them so often <laughs> in friendlies, which has become quite a funny joke with me and my Manchester City teammates because it's always, you know, Canada versus Manchester City for the most part uh, <laughs> when we play the Lionesses. But they're such a difficult side to play. They've got so much talent. And then, you know, when we played them in the Arnold Clark Cup, you have somebody like Lucy Bronze who's coming on at the end of the game and you're thinking, wow, I've just played, you know, 75 minutes and here comes one of the best players in the world off the bench. So when you when you see a team with the depth that they have um, and a coach like Serena coming in really doing such a good job, uh, I know all the girls have really, really enjoyed working with her thus far. And I think she's put an incredible um, thing in place for them. And them both on the ball and off the ball are so, so good. So I would definitely take them as favorites in these Euros. It's always uh, a gamble when you take the home team as a favorite, but I definitely think they have the squad to do it. I think Spain will be really interesting with the squad that they have. Um, And yeah, I mean, lots of incredible teams in Europe, um, but I think I'm definitely going to have to take England as the favourite at home. And tell me what you've promised your teammates that you're going (laughs) to do. (laughs) I may have uh, really shot myself in the foot here, but I have agreed to show up at Wembley on the 31st of July in an England shirt to support my England teammates if they make it to the final. So I'm thinking that that is the sole motivation for them. (laughs) <laughs> make it to the final that just myself in an England shirt at Wembley is enough for them to be motivated to make it to the final oh I cannot wait to see that because it's gonna happen it's gonna happen um you mentioned Serena Viegman there and the and the fantastic sh- job that she's done in in such a short space of time um talk sports Bradley Hayden also spoke to Chelsea and England defender Jess Carter about what it's like working with England's new head coach yeah no she's great um I think she has a clear vision for the team and it helps that we're now all on the same page of you know what the manager wants and the way that our identity really um and she's very she's a very direct manager which i think is really important in in football so um, yeah, so far everything's been really great and hopefully that'll continue. And what are her main strengths? Because a couple of people say to me that she's such an infectious character and she's really helped to not only just change the way that England play but potentially a little bit of the, the mindset side of things as well. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's making people believe and, you know, we are we know that we're a good squad but it's given us that, that belief that we can go on and do, do more, do better and um, her directness is I think is is really really great and it just makes sure makes sure that everyone's on the same page and and ultimately you know every game she emphasizes about going out and having fun and as much as we want to win you know having fun is is the main is the main part as well and to do that all together as a team and she's really done great at trying to bring the team closer together um you know there's a lot of players from a lot of different teams and sometimes it can be hard to gel but that's been a big focus for us going into the Euro so far is to get that team togetherness in the right place and you, you must be very lucky yourself not only to work with Serena but to work with someone like Emma Hayes at, at club level as well I mean how do they sort of compare yeah, um, you know, obviously I know I'm a bit better in, at club level, so I think it's, it's difficult to compare the both. Um, I'm still obviously trying to get to know Serena a bit more as well, but they're both huge role, role models in women's football and clearly two uh, phenomenal managers. So um, to have the, both of those managers to, you know, coach me is is, is special. So um, hopefully just 
can use a bit of what both of them have taught taught me and some of the other players to to help us be successful. I know the squad don't like to set targets, but is there a sort of an aim going into into this tournament of what you would where you would like the squad to get to? I think for us, we just aim to we go in and we try to do our best every single day. And I think our, our main aim is to is to inspire the nation and make them proud, and that's what we our, our first focus is. Um, and like I said, we will do our absolute best to, to try and get results. And but there's some great teams in in the Euros, um, and we are one of those. So yeah, we'll just do our best. <laughs> Chelsea and England defender Jess Carter there not quite going as far as Janine Becky in saying that England are, are going to win the Euros but confident as it is and very measured as well uh, by the way if you do want tickets uh, plenty of places that you can go and try and buy them and plenty of games still with availability um, prices between £5 and £50 as, as well uh, Tom Gary of the Telegraph tweeted earlier on that Belgium Iceland at Manchester City's Academy Stadium on the 10th of July, which is Group D, was the first uh, group stage game to sell out that's not involving England. Um, and actually, if you look at the availability and the ground size, expect all three games at the Academy Stadium uh, potentially to sell out. So make sure that you do go ahead and get your tickets early. Although it's only March and a few months away from the stadium, they will sell out, I'm sure. Um, Janine, oh, while you're here, I want to discuss Canada uh, with you. Obviously, fantastic for for you guys we had Shalina Zadorsky on the show just a few weeks ago winning gold at the Olympics absolutely incredible and we've just seen the men qualify for Qatar World Cup 2022 as well and John Herdman uh, was the man who coached the women's team at 2015 um, as well what a fantastic time he's having I've heard you talk about him as a coach incredible for, for Canadian football yeah John's a, an incredible leader an incredible coach um, and when he decided to take over the men's program a few years back I know it was really difficult for us as a team to let him go um, <clears throat> after he did so much and completely turned around the program and I think a lot of people will have looked at his decision to leave our team, you know, as a, a bit confusing. And I think we were there as well. But if there's anyone with a, you know, a harder head and a more driven personality, I, I've never met anyone more so than John. Uh, so he was absolutely the man for this job and um, no one more prepared to come in and, and kind of completely like he did with us, change the direction of the men's program. And, you know, historically Canadian soccer, on the men's side has been, you know, a struggle. And there's been a lot of really fantastic players come through that system, but just never really a team that met, made big waves on the international stage. And now we're seeing, you know, the likes of Tejan Buchanan and Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, all of these young guys who are incredibly talented. And funny enough, the guys were able to qualify without Alfonso Davies on the field. Um, so it's an incredibly exciting time to be a part of uh, Canadian football or soccer, if you will. Uh, and I know as a as someone who's you know very involved in in the CSA, it's an incredibly proud moment for me to see our men's team qualify for the World Cup and just the excitement and the celebration around that was was just really awesome to see. brought brought me a lot of butterflies to see them be so successful and to see John have success after um, you know it was a really emotional decision for him to leave us and so it's incredible to see his his um, hard work pay off yeah really excited to see them in Qatar that's for sure and of course you're going to miss the Euros the women's Euros uh, because you're in qualifying for for the women's World Cup yeah uh, the way that we qualify as most know is through a singular tournament so that has to happen at some point I'm a little bit salty that it's happening alongside the Euros as I would have loved to be in England to to experience that but yeah, an important, important tournament for us. And because of COVID, we're actually qualifying, potentially qualifying for the World Cup and the Olympics at the same time. So uh, a big, big tournament upcoming for us. We're really looking forward to it. And now we've got lots of expectation off the back end of a gold medal. So um, crossing my fingers, it usually comes down to us in the United States in the final of those tournaments. And we've been on the losing end of that 
that game many times. So hopefully uh, the tides turn in our favour and we can be CONCACAF champions this summer. Fingers crossed for you. Look forward to watching that. Uh, right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. You've just been hearing the thoughts of Manchester City and Canada forward Janine Becky. I'm Faker Others. Next up, we're going to talk about the return of Arda Hegerberg as well as looking ahead to the second leg of the Champions League quarterfinals. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others, and Manchester City and Canada's Janine Becky. Uh, now then, last week, Arda Hegerberg announced she'd be returning to the Norwegian national side for the first time in five years. The 26-year-old Leon Ford stopped playing for Norway, you'll remember, because of a perceived lack of respect for female players in the country. She's been included in Norway's squad for World Cup qualifiers against Kosovo and Poland in April. And of course, we could see her on these shores because she is expected to play at this summer's Euros. What was your reaction, Janine, when you first heard this news? A bit surprised, I think, but at the same time, an exciting, exciting headline for, for women's football, an incredible player, someone who I think the international stage has missed out on seeing for years. Uh, Just really exciting time for Norway to have you know, one of the best goal scorers in the game rejoined them on the international stage at a very exciting time. So uh, I think for her, it'll be a, there'll be a lot of expectation for her coming back and, and making this decision, but obviously a fantastic player and I'm sure is well up for the task. Look, we, we don't know whether we're going to see the same player we've seen before. She obviously was out for, for 20 months with uh, an ACL injury before coming back in, in October last year. But, you know, widely regarded as one of the greatest players in the women's game, scored 38 goals in 66 games for Norway. This is what she said herself. It feels incredibly good to be back. I'll do my part to help us achieve great things, both on and off the field, for football, for Norway, but not least for the next generation. I'm very glad to be able to come back with the team and get a new story started. Um, five Women's Champions League titles she's won, six Division One Feminine uh, titles, the French Cup five times, the Norwegian Women's Cup as well, named UEFA's Best Women's Player in Europe in 2016, the inaugural Ballon d'Or women's player in 2018 as well. I mean, she's she's won every single award possible. To have her on a stage here, potentially in, in, in the summer, here in England, is going to be massive for women's football as a whole. And I kind of feel as if perhaps, you know, her point has, has been proved. Yeah, I think so. I think that her point was not the first, but the first really heard of its kind um, and kind of predated the movement of equality in the in the game and fair treatment. Um, and it's a big deal for a player like that to put that kind of statement out there and really stand by it so strongly. And I think anyone looking at, at her now can understand why she wants to make her way back into the national team as a fantastic player you know that 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 decision was obviously hers but that kind of um opportunity should never be taken away from a player because of the lack of equal opportunity so a lot of a lot of things moving in the right direction in that department but it does take players like her with voices like hers to make that kind of statement and i'll be very excited to see her on the international stage at the euros and i think she really really ramps up um, their attacking presence and they've got some incredible players always a tough team to play against in my experience so I think um, all all boxes are checked in the positive department when it comes to, to her coming back into the international game. Yeah interesting comments from Norway coach uh, Martin Sjogren who said for the most part we've talked about how we see the future together and not what's happened it was mostly to do with Arda's role and how we can make the team even better the conversations have been very good I mean I'm sure they talked about what had happened before but I think it's positive to to look forward and see what they're doing you know to, to, to change things and she's going to be a crucial part of that 
that. Right, just need to wrap up the uh, championship results from the weekend. Sheffield United uh, 1-0 winners over Bristol City. Liverpool beat Durham by three goals to nil. Sunderland 2-1 winners over Watford. Uh, Coventry United beat Blackburn by a goal to nil. Charlton uh, defeated again this time by Crystal Palace by a goal to nil. And London City against Lewis had to be postponed. So this is how uh, the championship table looks after the weekend's results. Still Liverpool 11 points clear of Bristol City who do have a game in hand but you would expect Liverpool to be promoted back to to the WSL uh, this time round. At the bottom still Coventry United after that's points deduction. Six points uh, behind Watford in 11th. Um, Right, let's look ahead to the second leg of the Women's Champions League quarterfinals. Um, Producer Flo has been across the first legs. Uh, Bayern Munich 1, PSG 2, Real Madrid 1, Barcelona 3, Juventus 2-1 winners over Lyon and Arsenal 1-all with Wolfsburg Flo. I mean, Barcelona really the only team in fully in the driving seat, you'd say. Yeah, all I mean, I don't, Gillian, I don't know if you if you watch many of these games, but all of them were so close, really, really tight. And I don't necessarily like using the phrase uh, great advert for women's football because I think it's a bit of a cliche. Uh, but I think for the Champions League itself and for what I, I guess Janine's touched on as well, the quality of women's football in Europe right now, I think it was incredible because, I mean, really Real Madrid could have won that game against Barcelona. There was a pretty dodgy VAR call for a penalty that got, Barcelona back into it and really swung the momentum in their favour. Uh, Juventus beating Lyon was huge. I didn't really see them getting that 2-1 advantage, but they do have to play the second leg away from home. And Arsenal managing to snatch a, a one-all draw in that first leg. They'll be playing the second leg away, but really Wolfsburg should have put that game to bed. So all of them are quite finely balanced, but I would have to agree with you. Yeah, I think Barcelona given the fact there's going to probably be a sold-out new Camp on uh, on Thursday to watch that game, I do think they probably are in the driving seat to, to, win, to win that one because I don't see them losing that advantage at home, which I think is a shame because it could have been a completely different story uh, if that slightly dodgy penalty decision had gone through. Janine, I don't know what you thought about, about some of these games. Yeah, uh, exciting results, definitely. I got to see a bit of um, the PSG... Bayern game, watched a little bit of that one for the most part. That was all I was able to catch. But yeah, I mean, I think the from the outside, not seeing any of the games, the Juventus uh, scoreline and the Real Madrid scoreline for the majority of the game were the most surprising to me, um, which it's, again, like you just said, like we touched on earlier, just a testament to where the game is going in Europe. And, you know, a few years back, you would have never seen Juventus give Lyon a game, let alone beat them. So it's uh, an exciting time in, in women's football. And I feel like I've said that for the past four years, but it's been great to continue to be able to say that and see the game continue to grow. So Champions League is one of those things that is always going to be, you know, the pinnacle of football in, in some regard in Europe. And it's incredible to see these teams really uh, giving each other good games. And it'll be really exciting to see who makes that semifinal. And I don't think there is one standout um potential winner this season which makes things even more exciting yeah it really does those second legs are on Wednesday and Thursday and if you want to watch them they're free on DAZN's YouTube channel so you can go ahead and take a look Uh, Janine it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Women's Football Weekly making your your full debut I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll come back I will absolutely be back. It has been an honour. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Well, we'll see you in the TalkSport dugout next time, face-to-face, I hope. Perhaps in an England shirt, if England have won the Euros by then, maybe we could persuade you. You know, I think we can make that happen. Wonderful. I love it. Janine Becky, thank you very much. Tom Gary as well. Bradley Hayden, Jess Carter, Farrah Williams, producer Flo, and as ever, all of you lovely lot for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.